right. So well, you want to get rolling on crypto? Let's do it. Why? Well, yeah, and mostly just Bitcoin. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. pretty. Uh, call me a color me a Bitcoin maximalist is what mm -hmm. they call it. You bleed Bitcoin. I bleed Bitcoin. I mostly just don't want other people to lose money in other more insanely speculative bets. It makes me okay. Ethereum pretty nervous. Solid. Ethereum pretty solid. Great question. <laughs> That's probably the biggest debate. Yeah. So Bitcoin is like mainstream. All of them put together something like, you know, 1.1 trillion market cap. It fluctuates a good 10% day to day, week to week, even more sometimes. So the whole market cap of like cryptocurrency and everything is like about 1.1 trillion, right? I think it's a million for a second there. Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely trillion. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bitcoin's in the 800 billion range right now and that's been kind of working its way up okay. and then ethereum's market cap actually should but i don't know off the top of my head it's the second largest but it's not an insane amount i want to say we could google it but it's probably between even if, let's say it's 100 and 200 which i don't think it's it's that high if it's 100 billion, then it's still, you know, significantly smaller than Bitcoin. But it's a significant part of the cryptocurrency kind of uh, landscape because yeah. a lot of the other coins are either like sort of created on what's considered the Ethereum network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are the kind of the top two coins. But like the main reason I wanted to talk about uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is because of the big news that, that Tesla... Um, acquired 1.5 billion dollars in bitcoin a month ago yeah so and let's talk been, about that why do you think yeah that? yeah so um they called it in their filing with the sec an alternative store of value asset mm -hmm. so it's it's a store of value much like gold where it protects against inflation is yep. when they say store of value they kind of it's kind of like a fancy way of saying like hedge against inflation meaning like mm -hmm. that there's a lot of inflation and dollars lose their buying power you know a dollar is going to be a dollar yeah but a dollar versus you know what a loaf of bread a dollar versus a euro a dollar versus a peso you know if it loses the ability to buy things then that's sure. important value so that's the basis right. yeah value is well and then it's most important you know you can talk about like a banana at the store okay sure like those prices do fluctuate and that's kind of more on the order of the mainstream impression of what inflation is. And that's called CPI and uh, CPI has been stable for a while. And they'll say, you know, mm -hmm. CPI is between one and 2% and that's stable. And we like a little bit of inflation. And this is all based on like a certain type of economics when they, when the, they is saying, this is normal, this is good. This is fine. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, um, typically sort of government or the federal reserve it's it's the people who kind of pull like these big levers that the best kind of like background big picture perspective video or information that'll just give you like kind of a oh these are the nuts and bolts of yeah. like the background of the major economy ray dalio who's a famous investor he runs bridgewater capital in new york and it's like one of the biggest hedge funds in the world and he's like a really level-headed kind of like how do we create the perfect portfolio to weather the storm guy mm -hmm. that's been his thing the all-weather portfolio is sort of i think his phrase that he came up with okay yeah so he's been trying to figure out like that sort of approach of like how do you how do you hedge against like 
huge downturns and he put together a lot of good educational material and he put a good, a good video together about like the levers that you can kind of pull on the economy. Yep. So like when the 2008 crisis hit, like how do you protect against that? Why did the government print a bunch of money? And, you know, some people are opposed to it, blah, blah, blah. Like, why are they opposed to it? Why is it maybe good? What are the downsides? So it's kind of like an objective, like he, these are the levers. His approach to almost everything is like, if it was a machine, what are the parts of the machine that you could change out? You know, what are the gears that are turning and can we change the sizes of them? Like he approaches everything in his life as if it's a machine. And he wrote a, a great book called Principles about how he runs his company kind of like, like a machine the best he possibly can. He breaks everything down as small as he can. Hmm. So anyways, if you're looking for background on this and it all sounds like, you know, a different language, you can go to YouTube and look for, I don't remember the name of it, but you'll find Ray Dalio, The Economy, and that would probably do it for you. Okay. And you get a once over. Anyways, that'll give you some idea of inflation and, and that kind of yep. stuff and what the value of a dollar is, what the value of, of money is and currency and, and assets. And assets are like things that you can buy that are worth something, Yep. Uh, worth paying money for. So gold's an asset. Equities is a big category. It includes stocks and sure. bonds. And Let's think on a consumer you can side. Trade. Equity, yeah. you know, a house right. might be an asset for a person. That's right. Um, a car, know, cash. Anything cash that is... could potentially be sold again or used as value. That's right. All sorts of different types of things that can be assets. When you buy assets, right? Like the goal in life, like if you see yourself as a business or if you own a business, your goal is to increase your sales and, and earn more money. So for an individual, it's sort of like you want to increase your salary. But mm -hmm. then when you make the money, you want to put it into things that don't lose value over time, right? So this is just really big picture sure. stuff. But like if I make $100,000 and I have to budget and yada yada, spend some of it on my house payment and on a car and bills and food. Okay. Let's say I have 50,000 left over. And now I got to save that. And then I want it to be worth something later for, let's say I want to save it for retirement. And that's what most of us do. We, are, we earn a living and we save for later when we won't be working. Okay. That's, yep. that's just retirement. So you want to put that in something that will grow ideally, or at the very, very, very least something that doesn't lose value. So sure. This is the reason that people learn about retirement investing, because if it doesn't grow as fast as inflation is growing, you're losing value, right? Yes. And then if even worse, if it's devaluing period relative to everything else, then it's almost like you earned less. You're, you're losing the energy that you worked for. You worked, let's say one month of energy and you got $10,000 in that month, and then you saved 5,000. If that $5,000 loses that work energy that you stored in, in US dollars or some sort of currency yeah. by inflation going up rapidly, then if, if inflation goes up 50%, then now you worked for $5,000, but you can only buy $2,500 worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's like the critical background. Like Bitcoin doesn't matter. It will never make sense to anybody if they don't kind of just appreciate that big picture. Mm -hmm. So the reason companies are buying Bitcoin is they see their dollars buying value rapidly dissolving before their eyes. Yep. And any company who has been particularly responsible companies who have been cash flow positive, meaning they're making money, they're not borrowing against future earnings to like pay dividends or buy back more of their stock to pump up the price. They're actually, they're responsible and they're doing fantastic. So now they're, they're banking money. They're just like you listening at home. You are 
earning an income and you're actually taking money home. You're not just spending it all. Okay, you're saving a little bit extra. So these responsible individuals and companies are like, okay, now what do I put this into? So traditionally it's been stocks and bonds. Well, now there's a new asset class, which is digital assets. Okay. And the king so far, the winner of the digital asset competition, just like you would say, Netflix, Amazon, Facebook, Tesla, and Berkshire Hathaway have been the winners of the stock kind of world. The winner of the cryptocurrency world is Bitcoin. No question. It's the biggest market cap and it's got the best network. It's got the most people working on it, most security. It's active. And then the way it works, that's a whole nother topic and podcast, but it's decentralized. So a lot of people's computing power and energy is maintaining the network. So it's just, it's established is what you might say. So there's this new asset and the entire purpose of this asset, it was created in like the mid to late 2000s and then like kind of pushed out into the world by an anonymous group or individual, Satoshi Nakamoto, doesn't really matter. Somebody anonymous made it and then it grew naturally over 10 years. And the goal was sort of out of the financial crisis to create something that has a hard cap, meaning a limited supply Mm -hmm. rather than like the US dollars where you can just print more and more and more. It's a limited supply. So when you own this, you know how much of this type of asset you're going to own in the future. So it's very similar to real estate. It'd be like saying there's only one neighborhood in the whole world and it's got 21 million houses. Mm -hmm. So if you buy one of those houses, no one's making more houses. It's impossible to make more houses. So like, think about how valuable it would be to have one of those houses. Mm-hmm. And then if you said that you could send that the value of that house electronically across the world and it was immediately transmissible and that it was a, a network that like banks could use to transmit, you know, the quote, the value of a house, obviously we're getting to currency or dollar equivalent. And then it's, you know, yeah. Bitcoin. So it's transmissible value electronically, but it's also final settlement just as if I was to hand you in person, $5 cash, that's final settlement. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but electronically. And that's never existed before. So there's a, a long list of features that makes it a unique asset. But the thing that I wanted to highlight is that it can't be the, people call it scarcity, but it's a, it's yeah. a limited, it's a hard cap of how many Bitcoin will ever exist. And that's based on the code from when it was first made in 2009. And that can't be changed. So this so can everybody asset, have some Bitcoin eventually or how do we? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can have Bitcoin. Person. So even though there's 21 million, it's divisible down into hundred million. Each Bitcoin is divisible into hundred million. So that's a ton of decimal places. And um, you go down a ton of decimal places. I want to say it's like nine or 10, you know, 0.09 times. And then a one. Sure. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think it's actually eight. Yeah. yeah eight doesn't anyway. Sure. Yes, it doesn't matter. It's a lot. So they can always extend that. They can further devise it without increasing the number of Bitcoin available. It can become increasingly divisible if the US dollar equivalent becomes too high. Like if it's a hundred, if it's a hundred million dollars a coin, then yeah, it's going to be hard to start dividing down to smaller denominations. Mm -hmm. That's probably pretty far off. So I don't think that's a problem for today. That'd be a great problem for a lot of people to have, I think. So the reason companies are buying it is because the dollars that they have in their account MicroStrategy is the famous company that last August bought 450 million on their first buy of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And they saw that they were losing 25% of their buying power annually 
for the past 10 years. So in 2010, to buy a bond that would yield $50,000 annually was $1 million in 2010. And then by 2020, it was $10 million, Uh which over that period of time, and that's, and that's your asset, right? So your buying power, my dollars are worth substantially less to buy that bond as compared to the bond. So maybe bananas were similar, but the thing that makes me money is way more expensive. Now I can't afford it. Yep. And it then, takes and the more to get the like, same income or the same. It, it yeah. takes more to have an asset that yeah kicks out an income that I can live off of. So you could do the same thing with a lot of other assets. And if you just look along those same 10 years, Bitcoin outperformed a lot of those. So companies are just on a basic level going, this asset outperformed it, has a lot of unique characteristics. Basically just my dollars suck compared to Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's not too much more complicated than that. So they're taking poor performing assets like bonds or dollars. Cash is an easy one because that's just melting away. The value of, of the buying power of cash just melts like that right now. That's averaged over 10 years. That's a 23% uh, inflation rate for dollars buying bonds yeah. um, and getting a yield off of them. Corporate you know, CEOs, it's their job to make decisions about like, how do I not lose the company money? So right now, not buying Bitcoin loses the company money. And so it's just becoming what is what they're all calling a consensus trade, meaning everyone's kind of starting to agree. And it sounds like a lot of big name companies are having these backroom discussions. Okay, how do we buy it? Uh-huh. So because it's non-traditional asset, they kind of have to, they have to get the permission of the board. They have to right. figure out how much, if we buy too much, do we have to declare it? on our like quarterly reports, the, yep. the public announcements. Are we gonna look bad? How are our stockholders gonna feel about that? How do the board members, so it's a lot of people's feelings that are delaying what is essentially an obvious outperforming asset. Mm-hmm. And then the question is like, what are the risks involved, right? So it's not all upside from here. There's, there's risks for stocks, there's risks for bonds, there's risks all across the board. And the financial community this is how they make their money. They assess risk. Insurance community, same thing. They assess individuals as risk. Like we talk about disability insurance. They can't take on too many people that are getting sick or yeah. else or else they lose money. It's, it's kind exactly. of basic, right? So you can't take on too many assets. You can't own too many risky things. Like you can have a handful of um, Pokemon trading cards, you know, as an individual, but you're not going to put 50% of your portfolio into Pokemon trading cards. You might do like 1%. And it might like go crazy if that's your market and you know a lot about it, it might go 10 X. You take your 1% and then you just increase your whole portfolio. It's 10 X. You increase your whole portfolio, your net worth by 10%, you know, but you have to know that asset if you're going to do that. So what the delays are, how do we do it mechanically, legally, um, corporate structure, custodian, who holds it, who owns it, who secures it? What are the insurances? So now they have to insure this asset in a different manner because it can be taken or lost in a different way. Sure. So last week, MicroStrategy held a Bitcoin summit and I, I attended that and they went through and basically shared their playbook, open sourced all of their legal approaches. And they didn't say like, this is our company and this is where we hide our Bitcoin. And this is where we secure it. Yeah. But they said like, these are your options. This is how we decided which company to go through. And here's like, you know, how you could do it. And they just give that away for free because they view it as a net good and because they have a lot of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Those are legitimate, you know, really good reasons. People are trying to figure it out and 
they know that it's super valuable. They know that it has volatility in the short term. This is the big knock. If you're watching CNBC today, every other show it sounded like was, and I only saw a couple of clips on Twitter, but it was basically just like, what are they thinking? And wow, don't they know it's volatile? It's, hmm. it's like, yeah, don't you know that everything is volatile? But if you kind of combine it all correctly, that it's not volatile. And that's what diversification with stocks and bonds yeah. has been since forever. Bonds are volatile. Stocks are volatile. Buying a boat, the value of that is volatile. But there's goals, and then there's risk appetite, and then there's diversification. And you, if you combine all those, and you pick a few outperforming assets, it can really pump up your portfolio. So yeah, that's kind of the, the main gist of, of what's been going on. This is why okay. it's catching on. Yeah. Does that give it some validity that you know a company like Tesla has decided a billion and a half made sense? To like, me, it does. You know, yeah. it's, certainly that's open for that's that's a subjective thing, but I don't see how it couldn't. I yeah. mean, how, how could it not add legitimacy? Some people are like, "Oh, here's Elon pumping his stock again." You know, people already think Tesla is overblown. It's an auto company that doesn't even sell that many cars, and yeah, you know, you've got auto. Oh, some companies still have auto analysts figuring out Tesla's valuation, saying it's overblown. It's like. Mm-hmm. Of course, an auto analyst isn't going to see the growth of energy and solar and it's crazy. Yeah. So anyways, people will try to poke holes in stuff that doesn't agree with their investment thesis, just like I would about my investment thesis. I would sure. you know, defend against it. So we all have our biases, but there are so many valuable aspects to this digital asset yeah. that it will break down almost anybody's biases gradually over time yeah i guess if we were to take this full circle what does this mean for the average young physician do you think does it have any implication mm-hmm. yeah it totally does the two areas that i'm focusing on personally one is financial independence okay you can certainly achieve financial independence earlier if you have an outperforming asset there's so many different ways to do that get advice from your financial advisor you know make your own decisions is probably the best advice think for yourself and apply really, really solid critical thinking Mm -hmm. about like, what is it? What are the risks? You know, read a ton about it. I always tell people only buy to the level of what your conviction is in any asset, because that's not financial advice. That's just like, that's just good, you know, advice. It's like, don't buy a car if you've never read about the car, you know, Sure. It's on that same level. Look at consumer reports. Yeah. Yeah. Do your research, compare, find out what are the factors about a car that make it valuable, that make it last that, and then decide for yourself, what do you want in a car? Like, do you want leather seats? Do you live in Michigan? Do you want it to remote start and be heated? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds silly, but it is like people can do awesome approaching their finances in a ton of different ways, but Bitcoin is sort of just like this brand new tool with totally different features. It's not a Swiss army knife. It's pretty close. It does a lot of really, a lot of things well, Yeah. but it has a lot of short-term volatility. For sure. But long-term, it has trended up aggressively throughout its entire existence. You have to just kind of figure out who you are and what that means. And do you want to put 100% of your portfolio in something that can drop in half in a week and nobody would be surprised and then it'll yeah. bounce back and keep going? Like I was talking with um, a friend of mine today about volatility and volatility, it's not a negative thing, right? Mm-hmm. If I told you, and this is accurate history for Bitcoin, 
that it was going to double every six months, but it would be very, very volatile throughout that process. And yeah. It was going to double every six months for the next 12 years. Yeah. And it's going to go up and down up to 30%, maybe even from a high to a low of 85% loss. Yeah. But it's going to double on average every six months for 10 years. Would you want to buy that? I mean, yeah. If I knew you, what the future was going to be, sure. If you knew that you could buy it and hold it for 10 years. Yep. Long-term. It would sure. be an obvious yes, right? But if you knew that you'd bought stuff before that had gone down and you panic sold it because you were afraid it would go down further and you think you're going to do that again because you know from experience you have, yeah, then you might know yourself well enough to know that you don't want to buy that, right? Yeah. So it's not really an easy answer, but- Everybody wants the upside, but doesn't want to deal with the volatility in between. Right. I mean, me too, right? It's scary, but- volatility has been like tampered. The whole idea of diversification isn't necessarily to maximize returns in the idea of like buying the lowest and selling the highest. The idea with tampering volatility, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my take is that tampering volatility prevents us from our worst tendencies of selling scared at the bottom and buying at the top because we're exuberant and we think it'll, we're, we're going to catch this, the next hottest thing going to the moon. Right. Yeah. So volatility isn't bad, but if we reduce it for, for the average and for probably for 95% of people, it helps them to not sell. It helps them to not run away from the market when it gets kind of scary. And you have to say too, it helps clients stay with financial advisors so they don't get freaked out and leave mm -hmm. when stuff tanks. So one sure. of the big reasons for diversification is the financial advising industry as a positive thing has found that people will not do as well over time if they have to see their portfolio rocket up and down. Yeah. Uh, sure. And so, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't have been good for it to rocket up and down. No, that's what I tell time. some of younger physicians. Yeah. Like you yeah. stick it all in stocks, hundred percent and just right. know it's going to go up and down, but long-term you're going to be better off. Yeah. So it's a, it's the same discussion. You know, if we didn't say the asset, we could have totally been talking about stocks, yeah. you know, for a lot of that. Yeah. And it's just, it's a new asset with new features and it's now been well-established to the point where publicly traded companies have their board as a group and individually exactly. buying and approving, holding a Bitcoin to prevent loss of buying value. That is what has been going on Okay. to the point where, you know, one of the most valuable companies in the world and the most valuable automaker bought a billion and a half a month ago. Yep. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's also like, I think as Bitcoin, or as Bitcoin, as Elon said, in retrospect, it was inevitable. Yeah. And that's how he described, he didn't say the word Bitcoin, but I mean, he's talking about Bitcoin mm -hmm. and it is one of those things. It's it's going to, especially five years down the line, it will seem like so insanely obvious. Oh, yeah. So insanely obvious to, to me. And that's my take based on the features of, of the product. You know, it's yeah. like the iPhone came out. And as soon as you saw it, you're like, that's going to be the phone everybody wants. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the phone everybody copies. And everyone's going to have one. And they don't, they're not going to care how much they have to pay for it. They're going to pay as much as they have to. And I have that same level of conviction. And I would say understanding of the value of the product. And just like the iPhone dematerializing, that's a phrase I'm stealing from Michael Saylor, 
dematerialized books, dematerialized CDs, right? They're all just, they're not physical yeah. things anymore. And there's potential for, for Bitcoin if you really want to go kind of like, whoa, this could be big. It could dematerialize banks. It could dematerialize sure. the transfer of money, or... intermediaries. I don't think it's going to blow up the US dollar. I'm not an extreme in that sense. I don't think yeah. it matters if it does. Right. I don't care about that. I just care about owning an asset that other people can't control and can't can't reduce the value of it. Anyways, that's my big okay. My big overview on, on Bitcoin. And it just seemed like a good day to chat about it. Because no, definitely. Of... I think that's helpful. And I think we'll do some more on it. Sure. I'm going to put a link in the show notes about a video someone recommended to me today that's on Amazon that you can watch. I think it's on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime called Bitcoin. I don't know what the subtitle is, but we'll find it. We'll put a link in there. And um, that's a good way to get a quick primer on what it is and how it was created and what it means. And But yeah, that was good, Trevor. Thanks for sharing that perspective and the implication yeah. of that. And just another, mm -hmm. I think you and I both agree, it's another positive sign that Bitcoin is is not going away and is uh, mm -hmm. a, a mainstream thing, even though most consumers probably don't realize it yet. But like you said, five years, it'll be a completely different story. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody has any questions, I mean, I'll put my personal email out there again. I do that occasionally. Trevor Smith, MD at gmail.com. Not a financial advisor. Can't give any advice, but happy to answer questions. Oh, he loves talking. Um, about it. <laughs> I love talking about it. I'll totally connect with you and uh, other and uh, T Smith at financialmd.com. Either of those emails are fine. And I Trevor's on the those. Facebook group too. So if you're on the financial MD Facebook yep. group, you know, and you want to talk about it in a group setting, like that's a good place to chat about it. Yep. Awesome. Hey, thanks, John. It was uh, great chatting with you. I yeah. did most of the talking, but it was great chatting with you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go. Enjoy the weather down there and uh, we'll see you Sounds soon. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yep. See you later. Yep.